0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome. Glad you're here. You guys get like the extra star by your name because you came out to second service and kind of the rain out there. Like, is it still raining? A little bit. little bit. Okay. Like, between the services, it was rough. I thought there'd be three of us here, and I was thinking, like, this is going to be great. Only three of us, and I won't have to preach again because they've heard it already. Um, but welcome. Glad you're here today. Um, as we begin, I've got a question for you. Have, have you ever been lost before? Anybody ever been lost before? Like, okay, like, I know it's a stupid question and we all should be raising our hands because we've all been lost before. But let me ask you another question, a little bit more humbling. Um, does anybody tend to get lost more than other people? Like, are you like willing to admit that? I know it's like a scary thing to admit in, in a church's size, but um, you know, this is safe place. You could admit that stuff. Well, a few years ago, Uh, My family and I were up in Washington, D.C., visiting a doctor for for my wife and my kids. And we were there and we thought we would just take advantage of the time that we were there and and turn it into kind of a tourism thing. We do a little bit of the tourism stuff. Well, I don't know if you've ever been to D.C. before or into like a big city where it's a little bit confusing. So we're driving around D.C. and I am very confused. Like, I see the landmarks around, but I don't know how to get to the landmarks. Like, oh, there it is. Oh, there it goes. Like, how do you get there? Like, I have no idea. So we turned down a road that I thought was the right road to get to where we needed to go and quickly learned that's not the right road. And so being the guy that I am, I'm not stopping to ask questions or directions. Like, why would I do that? I'll figure it out. So I'm driving and I got us lost. And um, my wife has this uncanny ability to navigate in places that she hasn't been before. It's amazing. It's, it's fun to watch and it's humbling when you're her husband. <laughs> so my wife goes like, hey, I think if we take that road, maybe it'll connect to that road and we'll get to that road and we'll get to where we want to go. So let's go. Awesome. So she led us, and we got out of where we were, and we got to where we needed to be. So it was amazing. It was awesome. If you know my wife, she's awesome. If you see her today, tell her she's awesome, and tell her her husband thinks she is one smoking hot babe. All right? I need some brownie points. That would be awesome. Now, if you're a guy, make sure you say, your husband thinks you're a smoking hot babe. Don't just go up to my wife and say she's a smoking hot babe. Or you and I might need to meet out back. Okay, like we're talking about being lost. Like I'm lost in the message already. Like where are we supposed to be? I have no idea. All right, so here's what I found in life. It is so easy to get lost in it. It's so easy to get lost in life. And I found in my own life, uh, I've been a pastor for 15 years. I've been a Christ follower for 39 years. And I've found it's so easy for me to get lost In life, it's easy for me to turn down a road I think is the right road, and then all of a sudden I look back and go, that's not the right road, and I'm confused and I don't know how to get back to to where I was. Or there are moments, and I won't ask for a raise of hands, but there are moments, aren't there, where we turn down the wrong road on purpose. We know it's not going to lead to a good place, but we do it anyway. Why? Because we can because we want to in that moment. And so we take a detour in life, and then hopefully at some point on the detour, we go, you know what? Like, I'm so far into this. Like, I got to turn around. I need some help. I am completely lost. Well, if you're new with us, we're in week two of a series called The 5G Life, and we're talking about how to stay on track in our relationship with God. We're talking about this this spiritual development process that we have here at Epic, and, and we're looking at this roadmap that helps us navigate the complexities of life, helps us stay on track in our relationship with God, and can help us get back on track in those moments when we've gotten off track. When we've gotten lost, we've taken a detour and we realize, you know what, that was a detour and I need to get back to to where I need to be. Now, um, last week we handed out these wristbands. Everybody had on their seat a little wristband like this. And if you didn't get a wristband, uh, feel free to stop by our connection center and grab one of those. Um, On the wristband, it captures our 5G life. And I wear one of these almost every day to remind me of the spiritual growth process that we're in. And I use it on a consistent basis. So it's often for me, I'll look down at this process and, and I'll, I'll look and say, how am I doing in that area? What, what adjustments do I need to make in my life? Or God will speak to me through this process and say, you know what, like you're a little off track in this spot and here's how you need to get back on track. So let me explain the five Gs and then we'll jump into the second one that we're looking at today. So the five Gs are this, God grow, gather, give, go. So God grow, gather, give, go. So the first, God. So that represents talking and listening to God on a daily basis. So we talked last week about starting a relationship with God, how to do that and how to grow that relationship through this thing called prayer, All right? So we do that through this two-way communication, this two-way conversation with God. We talk to him and then we listen to him. So today we're going to look at the second G. So that's the grow part. We grow by applying what we're reading in scripture. And here's the powerful thing. Uh, God speaks powerfully to us through his written word. That's one of the primary ways that God speaks today is through his written word for us. Third G is gather gather with a small group of Christ followers to learn to live in biblical community. The fourth G is give of your time, talents, and resources to advance God's kingdom. And the fifth G is go everywhere. Tell everyone about the life of Jesus. So those are the five Gs. There'll be a quiz uh, on your way out. Thanks for laughing. All right. So the second G growing by applying what we're reading in scripture is that next critical step. So we enter a relationship with God. We begin to talk to God and grow that relationship through prayer. And the next step is God has spoken. And we need to read what God has spoken about. And we need to learn how to apply what God has spoken about. Now today we're going to look at primarily one verse in the Bible and we'll look at a few others, but we're going to try to pull apart one specific verse that talks to us about the Bible's uh, usefulness in our lives. So we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. It says this. All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17 says, God uses it. So God uses the Bible. God uses these words that he's captured in print for us to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So that first part, all scripture is inspired by God. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand that the Bible is a very influential book. It's, it's been influencing the lives of millions of people for thousands of years. Christ followers and non-Christ followers alike have studied it and have understood its amazing power and influence over people. Now, uh, there are many people for many years that have wondered about its inspiration. They've wondered about its authenticity. And we wonder uh, with questions like, like, how do we know that that really came from God? How do we know that humans didn't just mess it up? And how do we know that they didn't just write down what they wanted instead of what God wanted? How do we know that they didn't make up a God for us to follow rules that they have for us instead of rules that God has for us? Um, those are great questions. Maybe you still wonder some of those questions today. Maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, like I, I, I'm really struggling with that stuff. Those are some questions that I have asked. In my journey, my, my uh, understanding of the Bible, I've asked some of those questions until I've done an honest exploration of the Bible. Until I've spent large amounts of time reading the Bible and have discovered for myself how deeply connected the Bible really is to itself. All right, now uh, get this. The Bible was written by over 40 different authors over a time frame of 1,500 plus years years, okay? So imagine how difficult that would be. I'm going to give you an assignment today, class, okay? So the assignment is, I want you today to start, I want you to write a work, kind of, kind of the, the, the work of your life or the thing that you think that God wants to communicate to the world. I want you to write that. And then over the next 1,500 years, I would like for you to accumulate 39 other authors that are going to write with you this one story that doesn't contradict itself. Anybody up for the task? we're going, not possible. Like, how is that going to be possible? Like, I'm only going to live another whatever years. I'm not going to be able to communicate with all those people. It is humanly impossible for that to happen, but it is possible with our great God. Now, the author of this section of scripture is a guy by the name of Paul Paul hated Christians, he hated Christ, he did everything he could to kill Christians, he wanted to end this thing called Christianity, and then one day he met Jesus, had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And Paul uh, then went on to write most of the New Testament part of the Bible. So he's the guy who wrote this passage that we're looking at. When he chose the word, uh, inspired, the word means God breathed. So Paul was trying to communicate to us. I said, listen, when you read the Bible, you're not just reading the thoughts of humans. You're not reading that. You're reading the thoughts of God where God breathed these words into the minds of the authors and the authors wrote exactly what God wanted written down. The more I read the Bible, the more I believe that these words were breathed out by God himself. Now, you may ask, well, how is it possible? Even if it it was God breathed at the beginning, how do we know that humans didn't get wrapped up in the process and and mess it all up? How do we know that humans didn't warp what God originally intended for us to know? Well, think about it this way. The Bible teaches that God is uh, all powerful. He's all present and he is all knowing. So God is everywhere. God can do anything and he knows everything. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter one talks about the creation of the universe, everything we know, everything we we can see, everything we can't see. So through God's power, God spoke and the universe burst into existence. Galaxies, stars, planets, everything we see and, and can't see came into existence at the power of God's spoken word. God is pretty powerful, I mean, that's the only thing that explains the universe to me. That, that's the best explanation uh, for me as, as I look at the options of things that we could choose from, all right? So if God is that powerful, I believe God is powerful enough to have his, his authors write exactly what he wants written. And then he has the power to protect those words for all time for us to read. I think God is that powerful. I think God can do that, but who cares what I think? And okay, I'm just a bald, short guy, All right? But what do you think about the Bible? What, what are your thoughts and what is it based upon? Your understanding of scripture, what is it based upon? Is it based upon your thoughts? Is it based upon your opinions? Is it based upon the opinions of other people? You know, hey, I watched a documentary one time and they said this and that kind of sounds right. Uh, I heard this, this preacher say you know, this one time and that sounds okay. Or is it based upon an honest exploration of God's written word? I think we have to come to some serious conclusions about our belief about the inspiration and authenticity of the Bible, especially if you're a Christ follower. Now, the next part of verse 16 helps me believe the first part even more. So it says, all scripture is inspired by God, breathed out by God, and it is useful. I found the Bible to be as useful today as it was the day that it was written. And it's amazing. I love reading the Bible. Uh, I read it almost every day. And uh, there are days that I'm, I'm reading a passage and I wonder, God, how is it possible that you had something written down several thousand years ago and it's the exact thing I need to read today? It helps me address the exact problem I'm facing. Has anybody ever experienced that? When you read the Bible, there are moments I open it up and I read that and I'm like, God, how is that possible? It's not humanly possible. It's only possible as God breathed these words of life that are still alive. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says. So, Hebrews 4. Verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And and it does that for me on a consistent basis. The Bible is the only thing that can pierce a cold heart. It's the only thing that can touch a mind that says, I don't believe all all that stuff. It's the only thing that can provide a life-changing encounter with the creator of the universe. And I'm going to talk to you um, in a second about how God has continued to use the Bible and how it's still alive and powerful and how God uses it in my life to correct me when I'm wrong. The Bible is alive and powerful and God breathed it out and it's still useful today. Now what is it useful for? The next part tells us, it is useful to teach us what is true. Now, I'm sure that you understand this as we look around our world. There is an all-out assault on the truth. Okay, so our culture, our world does not like the concept of absolute truth. Like, we don't like that. We like a more relative truth, a more personal truth, a truth that works for me may not work for everybody else. And so we think, you know what, like, if it's true for you, that's great. If you like it, works for you, works within your belief system, that's awesome. Don't force that on me uh, because I may not like it. It may not work for me. But here's the problem. Truth is true whether we like it or not. Truth is true whether we believe it or not. And if something is true, guess where it came from? God. And you can find truth whether you're reading the Bible, whether you're reading a science book, or whether you're looking on the internet. If it's true... It came from God, and guess what? It's applicable to all of us. It applies to all of us. And I think, especially for Christ followers, we need to settle the issue of the Bible being God's absolute truth for our lives. I think we need to answer that one. I think we really need to come to some serious conclusions. If you're a Christ follower, if you're not a Christ follower, I understand. You may say, well, I gotta study a little bit more. I'm not at that spot yet. I get it, I understand. Do, do the, the research that you need to. But if you're a Christ follower, I honestly believe we have got to be able to say as followers of Jesus that this is God's written word. It contains God's absolute truth for my life and our world. Too many Christians today sort through the bible and pick and choose what parts they want to believe and what parts they want to apply to their lives and we read verses and we're like yeah i don't know that that applies to me you know like if if they knew my story you know if they knew how how hard of a life i've lived if they knew how difficult that was for me they would understand why this part of the bible doesn't exactly apply to me we can't pick and choose because if you picked something, I would probably say, well, well, that's true for you, but it's not really true for me. And and the same would be true if we, we reversed it. We have got to, as Christ followers, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, we've got to come to a conclusion that the Bible is God's absolute truth and guide for our lives. All right, the next part. Verse 16 continues, and it says, the Bible is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I've got some bad news for you. There's something wrong with you, okay? And um, before you think I'm picking on you, I'm not, because there's something wrong with me. And there's probably something more wrong with me than there is wrong with you. All right, the Bible tells us, it says in in Romans 3.23, it says, everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. So the bad news is you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. Not a popular thing to hear today. Like, we don't like that word. Like, oh, the S word. You just called me a sinner. Like, yeah, the Bible says we're sinners. And guess what? It gets worse. You flip over to Romans 6, 23, and it says, and the wages of sin is death. So the payment that we deserve for the sins that we've committed, whether big or small, is to die. We deserve to die. Not exciting news. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? All right, so I get to that spot, and I'm like, there's got to be hope. There's got to be something else. Like, this is bad news. Like, we need more, and the Bible provides us more. So in uh, Romans chapter 3, we'll start back with verse 23 again. So verse 23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Romans 6, 23, and the wages of sin is death. And then verse 24 of Romans 3 says, yet God, I love those two words. So in a spot where we were hopeless, where sinners who should be sentenced to death, God steps in, God intervenes, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. And I wonder, how is that possible? Like, how can we go from being sinners who deserve to die to being righteous? Well, it's possible uh, where it says, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. So God stepped in and said, I'm going to withhold that penalty. Actually, Jesus stepped in and said, I'll pay the penalty for you. So imagine in your life that you've accumulated large large amounts of financial debt. Okay. So imagine like you've got 200 plus thousand dollars in debt. Don't raise your hand if you have that. If you do go to financial peace, you're like, you'll you will get benefit from that. But let's say you went to college a few times and you, know, you, like you bought a bunch of stuff you didn't need. And, and you're sitting with this debt and you're facing bankruptcy and they, you know, they come, they've taken your house away, they've taken your diplomas off the wall, like you got nothing, all right? And imagine you're standing before the judge and someone else steps in and says, I'll pay for it. I'll pay their debt. How much is it? I'll write you a check right now. And it'll be wiped clean. That's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for me. And in a much bigger scale than just paying off our debt, you know, financial debt, he stepped in and said, you know their sin, that sin debt that they have? I'll pay for it. I'll take it on myself. I'll pay for it with my blood. I'll write a check with my own blood so they can live. That's profound. Verse 25 continues. It says, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Like here's something that I don't think we get. We give God a hard time for coming up with this sacrificial uh, a system of atonement of sins, that, that something needs to die to be, to, for us to be made right with God. And we're like, well, well that's kind of unfair. Why would God come up with that? God came up with that and he was the only one who would have to follow it. He was the only one. That would have to sacrifice his most prized uh, relationship, relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus died, he wanted to, to pay that debt for us. So God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So why is reading scripture and applying it so incredibly important? It is so important. If we don't read that, if we don't read the, the, those words like that, if we don't understand that we're sinners in need of a savior, then we'll never come into a personal relationship with Jesus and never be able to, to have that relationship continue for all of eternity. So reading scripture is so incredibly important for us as followers of Jesus. It gives us the truth that we need. If we don't read it, we will miss out on some of the most profound truth that we can ever know. So we've got to read it and we've got to apply it to our lives. Last sentence in that verse, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, the Bible corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So one of the things that I love about our God is he doesn't come along and say, well, you're a bunch of sinners. You deserve to die. Sucks to be you. He doesn't say that. Can you imagine a pastor saying that God would say sucks to be you? Yeah, sorry, came out of my mouth. God doesn't say that, all right? So God comes along and says, yes, I know you're sinners. Yes, I know you've turned off the road. I know sometimes by an accident, other times on purpose. I get that, but here's the deal. If you'll let me teach you, I'll speak to you. I'll guide you back to where you need to be. I won't leave you there. I won't leave you where you are. I'll teach you how to live like Jesus. And I just, I love the reality of God doing that. So the more we read the Bible... The more God teaches us how to live like Jesus. Now, here's a recent example from my own life. I'm always trying to look for examples like, how does this apply to me? How does what we're talking about apply to me? And uh, this past week, God gave me two very specific examples of ways that, that God pointed out something in my life that wasn't right and needed to be corrected. So I'll tell you about one of those. On Monday, Uh, kids were getting ready to go back to school. So my wife and I have four kids. One in college, a senior in high school, one in middle school, one in elementary school. So we got all the schools covered right now. Um, So our youngest, uh, Cody, he's 10 years old, fifth grade. Uh, He was getting ready for school. So we're sitting down, we're eating breakfast together. We're reading the Bible together, reading through uh, Proverbs 24 that day. And we came across verse 17 and 18. So verse 17 and 18 says, don't rejoice when your enemies fall. Don't be happy when they stumble for the Lord will be displeased with you and will turn his anger away from them. So I read that and I thought, what a powerful verse for, for my little guy who's getting ready to head off to school because here's what I know. He's gonna go to school and there's gonna be some kids in his class that he doesn't like. There's gonna be some kids in his class that he would go, I don't know if I'd call him an enemy, but you know, I don't really like that person and he may struggle in that relationship. So we talked about that and, and, and Cody goes, dad, I do that. Like there are moments that somebody at school that I don't really like, if something bad happens for them, they get hurt in the playground, they get a bad grade. Inside, I'm happy about it. We talked about how, hey, that, that's, that's not cool. God doesn't want us to do that. And teachable moment was over. He went off to school. God came back later, tapped me on the shoulder and said, teachable moment's not over. Uh, this one's for you. And uh, we began this conversation uh, about not an enemy in my life but a friend. So I've got this friend in my life that everything seems to go very well for him. Um any any time he like starts something new like it seems to go great like I got, got the Midas touch I'm not sure like you know turns to gold all the time. Anybody have somebody like that in your life that like like really so every time we get together he tells me something new that's really cool that God is doing and it's just amazing. And outside I'm like oh that's awesome. Inside, I'm like, really? Again? Come on. Like, like, why can't that happen in my life? Like, my life's not cool like that. Like, what's the deal? And uh, recently, something not so good happened for him. Guess what I felt? I was secretly happy. I was secretly happy that something bad happened for my friend. You know how horrible that is? that's a horrible sin. That's a sin that I had to confess to my God and say, God, like that is in me. It's terrible. It's terrible that I would, I would somehow feel better about myself when he is suffering. That's wrong. That's jealousy. That's pride. That's insecurity. That's just wickedness of, of, of an evil kind. Like I have, I've got to deal with that. So I confessed that to God and said, God, you're right. Teachable moment was for me. You know, if my son got anything out of it, great. But I need to work on this. So I started praying for my friend. So God, would you help him in this situation? God, will you bless him beyond belief? Just bless his life. Bless it beyond that more than he could ever comprehend that you would do for him. And God, please help me. Help me to dig deep and grab the root of this in me. I don't want that in me. I want to celebrate when my friends are celebrating. And I want to, I want to weep and, and grieve with my friends when they're going through something very difficult. So Lord, would you rip this thing out of me? The Bible has the supernatural ability to correct us when we are wrong and to teach us how to do what is right if we will read it and if we will apply its truth to our lives. So that's the second G. We grow by applying what we're reading in the Bible. Now, with a a crowd this large, um, you could probably understand that we've got all kinds of perspectives and experiences with the Bible. We've got people who say, I don't know anything about the Bible, but I'm real uh, skeptical of it, to people who know a lot about the Bible, way more than I do. So let's start with that first group of people. So if you're a person who says, you know, and I'm real skeptical of the Bible, you know, like I'm not sure it's, it's inspired, it's, it's God's word. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Do some serious study, do some research for that. If what the Bible teaches is true, that one day we will stand before God and give an account for our lives. If what Hebrews 4 says is true, that we are accountable only to God, then one day we're gonna have a conversation about what we understand scripture teaches and its application for our lives. I think you owe it to yourself to be able to rule that out, whether you think the Bible is valuable to you or not. So I think you owe it to just spend some time doing some research. Here's some, some helps that I, I recommend for you. Number one, the first book is uh, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. So Lee Strobel was an investigative journalist with the Chicago Tribune, and he was an atheist. He didn't believe in the Bible, didn't believe in Christianity, and thought it was all made up. And so he spent over two years studying the claims of the Bible, studying the claims of Christianity in an attempt to disprove it. This book is the result of his work. So if you need evidence that helps you point to the authenticity of Scripture, if you need lots of evidence, this is a great book uh, for you as you read through that and you'll understand where he's coming from, from an atheist perspective saying there is no God. Um, So I recommend that you read this book. Next book is called A Search for the Spiritual, Exploring Real Christianity by James Emery White. This is a short book and it answers some big questions like why does the death of Jesus matter? Why does the resurrection of Jesus matter? Why does the Bible teach that Jesus is the only way? to to a relationship with God and to eternity. So if you have questions like that, this would be a great book for you to read. Now, I've listed both of these books on our Spiritual Growth Challenge that you can pick up at our Connection Center before you leave today. So it's just a one-page document that helps us dig deeper in what we're learning on Sunday. Now, the next group of people I'd like to address real quick are people that may not know much about the Bible. You don't really question its authenticity. Um, You're just not sure what the Bible teaches. Uh, I would encourage you to learn the Bible. Determine to learn it. You'll be amazed at how much you can learn if you just say, you know what, I'm going to start today and I'm gonna learn what God teaches in the Bible and how to apply it to my life. So here's some recommendation for how you can do that. The first is when you come in, pick up a spiritual growth challenge. There is a Bible reading plan on that. Before you leave, you can pick up a spiritual growth challenge. And then throughout the week, just follow along with that. It takes what we're learning on Sunday just a little bit deeper. The great way for you to be learning uh, the Bible. The next thing I recommend is to take notes. Take notes on whenever the Bible's being taught. So if you come here, uh, uh, get a Spiritual Growth Challenge, flip it over in the back. You can take notes there. In the back of your announcement sheet, you can take notes, bring a notebook with you, whatever. Uh, one thing that I did for many years of my life, I still do to this day, when I'm in a context where the Bible's being taught, I bring my Bible and I bring a notebook. And so what I would do for many years, I still do, I'll take notes and I'll write down what the pastor's talking about. I'll write down the Bible verses. I'll go back later throughout the week and I will read those and figure out how do I apply this to my life? A great way to learn the Bible. Now, another way to make it personal and embedded in our lives is to discuss it with other people. So find somebody to talk to, somebody at home, somebody at school, somebody at work, maybe somebody in your small group, maybe your entire small group does that. If you're not in a small group, I encourage you to get in one. There's an opportunity for you to discuss on a personal level. Say, hey, this is what the Bible said today, or this is what Trent said. Like, do you believe that or agree with that or not? How do we apply this to our lives? Discussing it with other people is a great way to embed that in our lives. Now, the last group of people, people who know a lot about the Bible. My question is, are you still reading it and are you still applying it to your life? Here's what I've found uh, in 39 years of, of being a Christ follower. We can become so familiar with scripture that we almost get too comfortable and almost callous to it and we hear a, a, a passage being taught or a story from the Bible, and we say, yeah, yeah, I know that. I've heard that one before. I know how that one's going to end. It's probably going to use this illustration, probably going to make this application. Yeah, I got it. But are you applying it? The Bible's alive and powerful. It's as useful today as it was the day it was written. And no matter how long we spend in it, we can never learn enough of it. So are you applying it? What you know, scripture teaches. Is there anything in your life right now where you would say, you know what? I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I know God has spoken and I'm just not doing it. I just kind of detoured off the path and I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Yeah, I know the Bible, but I'm not living what I need to live. Is there anything you're not living and you need to? So as we close today, I encourage you to determine to take a next step with the Bible. So if you're part of that skeptical crowd, uh, great. Do some research. Determine to do some research and determine the validity of the Bible for your life. If you're part of the crowd that says, like, I just don't know much about the Bible, determine to learn it this next year. And if you're part of the crowd that says, listen, I know a lot about the Bible, answer, am I applying what I know God wants me to apply? So that's the second G, Next week, we're going to look at the third G. So I hope you'll come back for that. And I'm going to pray. Then our worship team is going to come out and close us out in song. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for your written word that you have given us. Uh, Lord, it is alive and powerful for our lives today. And God, it's just amazing to, to read it. And Lord, the more we get into it, I, I think the, the more... Answers we get to those questions that we have about it. The more we read it, the more we understand. God is your written word for us. It's your thoughts captured in print for us. It's one story, one overarching story of your incredible love for us and and you showing us how to start a relationship with you and how to grow that relationship with you. So Lord, I pray for all of us today. Uh, There are people here in all different kinds of experiences and backgrounds and Lord, there are people here that are very skeptical of the Bible and and I understand. But I pray that they would determine to take a step towards you. Take a, take a step towards really studying the Bible to come to their, their own conclusions. Lord, those who don't know much about the Bible, I, I pray that they would determine today to say, you know what, I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna come up with a strategy. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take notes. I'm gonna talk to other people. Uh, I'm gonna have a Bible reading plan. I'm just gonna learn this next year. And I pray that you would bless them as they do that. Lord, those of us who know a lot about the Bible, I pray that we would live it. Jesus, you said that if we really love you, we'll do what you say. So Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here this morning that just kind of needs to get back on track with you, that they would determine to do the right thing, that they would allow your written word to correct them and then teach them how to do what you've asked them to do. So Lord, again, we are grateful for your written word as a guide, as a roadmap for our lives. I pray for all of us as, as followers of you, for those of us here that are in that spot, that we will say, this is God's absolute truth for me, and we will apply it to our lives on a regular basis. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, Epic. Welcome. My name is Carla. I'm going to tell you a few things that are going on here at Epic, like what that video is about. We believe that life change happens, not in rows, but in circles. And in order to have those conversations, those meaningful conversations, you need to be in a small group. And so we are starting Starting Point in uh, September 13th. We're having an info meeting for Starting Point And so if you've never done a a small group and you're new to Epic, jump into Starting Point. It's a great experience. Starting Point is a nine-week conversational environment where we walk through the story of God and begin to experience community. It's awesome. It was one of my favorite things that I've done at Epic. So if you're interested in that, we're having an info meeting on September 13th. You can sign up in the back or online at theepicchurch.com. If you've been through Starting Point and you're ready to get into a long-term small uh, small group, you can join one of our community groups. We're launching a five-week community group experience for men's, women's, and couples groups. So if you want more information about that, it starts September 13th. You can again sign up in the back, get more information, or go online at theepicchurch.com. Well, if you're new with us, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We are so glad that you're here. If you want to get more information about who we are, why we're here, you can stop by the Connection Center. We would love to say hi to you. Today we're having a preview meeting for our Financial Peace University, and every year Epic offers Financial Peace University, which is a nine-week course put together by financial expert Dave Ramsey, and it is an amazing experience in unlocking God's principle and God's word about how to manage and operate your finances. So if you're interested in that, they're having the uh, preview meeting in the teacher's lounge after service um, right around this corner this uh, curtain wall um, to my right to check that out. Well, the kids might be back in school, but we are still having summer weather, and unfortunately we had to cancel our epic day at the park. So follow us on Facebook or listen in the next little while, and we'll we'll let you know when we're able to reschedule that. Each week, 600 families go with our partner, Grace Community Food Pantry for Food, 600 families. And in September, we are hosting a food drive to help them provide for those families. So on your way out, grab a paper bag from our Connection Center, and you can fill that up, bring it back any Sunday through September, and make a difference in those families' lives. Let's show our community that we are for Flagler. One of my favorite things every week is getting in the car and talking with our son, Ephraim, about what he learned about in in school, in in Sunday class. And so last week he was super excited because Jesus ate fish on the beach, mommy. And I think he was fascinated because I can't get him to touch fish with a like 12 foot fork, <laughs> but it was so cool to hear him so excited about what he's learning in his class. So you, we are able to minister to hundreds of kids in Epic Kids because of you give of your time, your talents, and resources. So if you want to if you call Epic Home and you want to continue to partner with us financially, you can do so today in the giving boxes behind each of the seating sections or online at theepicchurch.com. All right, I'm going to pray for service so that we can get into the good stuff. God, I just thank you for just who you are, for being such a good, loving father. And I I thank you that we have a place to gather to learn more about you every week. I pray that you would just speak to our hearts through this message and that we would continue to grow in our journey, wherever we're starting from, wherever we are in our walk with you. I just pray, God, that you would help us move forward in our relationship with you. I thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.